you know what it is? I mean, we're, we're human beings, right? And how do we know that? Because it's interesting, actually. Why do we know people that are insecure are behaving that way and aggressive? The reality is you need to set a good example and not just accept that everyone's going to be fat. Like I spend you can change that. That's the whole point, right? It's not it's not a disability. You can actually change that by yeah, eating. And it's You're paying for someone to stand by you and actually keep you accountable and say, have you stuck to your diet? That's the biggest thing. That's why, in my opinion, we live in a black and white world. It's like it's zeros and ones, right? You're either going forwards, you're going backwards. And if you're not going forwards, you're going backwards because yep. it's like time essentially. Welcome to another episode of The Shred Show. Today, I have got superb guests and we're gonna have a thrilling conversation, I can tell from the amount of banter we've had before this. And that's Mr. James Cooper. So he's the first black belt Brazilian jiu-jitsu in the UK, I believe. Young, youngest, youngest, youngest sorry. Um, how old are you? Uh, 23 at the time. I'm not 23 anymore. He looks he's had a hard life. Yeah, <laughs> oh, he, looks, he looks 23. Yeah. Um, also owned a highly lucrative gym in Central London that's helped transform lots and lots of clients. Um, and have got a degree in nutrition from King's College London. So thank you for your time today, James. Um, we're both sitting in Dubai, who, where James is now living as well, um, which would be an interesting thing which we'll come into. First thing I wanted to dig into is how did you get into Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu? Yeah, it's a good question. So a long, long time ago. So I was, when I was um, 14 years old, I think I was watching the UFC. This is a, yeah. this is an old throwback. So I was playing UFC on the Dreamcast. Okay, yeah. Sega Dreamcast. Sega, yeah, that's yeah, it. Yeah. yeah, Sega Dreamcast. So actually, I, I was watching. I started watching the UFC. Um, saw this new sort of sport back then, um, and I, the guy who was a heavyweight champion at the time was a guy called Frank Mir. Who is was a black belt? No, he wasn't a black belt. I remember him. Was he tall? Was he Irish or something? No, he wasn't Irish. He's a big. You, you know, he's he like is, dark hair. Right? Yeah, that's yeah, the one. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's that one. Yeah. So he basically, um, uh, it's a throwback. He basically won the UFC title, breaking Tim Sylvia's arm. It was in an arm bar from guard. And I saw this guy. I said, "What martial art is this?" He was a Brazilian jiu-jitsu practitioner. I was like, "I need to learn this martial art." So. I had no idea where to go or where to learn this martial art. Back then, everyone does Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu now, but back then, where would you go? So I was in, um, it's the most middle-class thing in the world, I was in Selfridges, <laughs> you know, like you, like you was in Central London, um, and basically saw in WH Smith, and there was a magazine, Martial Arts Illustrated, that had uh, Roger Gracie's in London. Saw this magazine, and um, I literally thought, I need to go to this place. And basically, it was in um, Kensal Road, which was in uh, Labra Grove. Labra Grove's beautiful now. It was not a nice place back then. Um, went back home, looked up where it was, and had to take two buses down there. Went down there, uh, and basically, that was it. My dad, I think, took me the first time. Um, but yeah, I met one of my really good friends, Nick Gregoradis, who was a purple belt back then. And I met some incredible people doing it. The biggest thing that pulled me in was... I've met the most incredible people I've met in my life doing martial arts and something we'll go into later, but the most, the toughest people I've ever met in my entire life in terms of physicality, like I met, lucky to meet literally the toughest people walking planet Earth, are the nicest people I've ever met in my entire life. The warm, genuine warmness and kindness I've met from these kind of people as well. And I'm sure you're the same as well. You can see it resonates with you. All the people I've met in my life that literally fought in wars in Afghanistan, etc., are actual, what I call actual nice people. They're the most warm people when you actually need them but won't be fake nice. And that's the biggest thing. So I started back when I was 14 and then never stopped, basically. And I'm uh, 33. So I've been doing it for 18 years. I think it's 18, 19 years. It's ironic how the world works who the people who are probably like the most threatening could hurt the most people are the nicest. And the other way around, like people who are the most like, I think another word than dickish are probably the people who like could do the least harm to people. But you know what it is? I mean, we're, we're human beings, right? And how do we know that? Because it's interesting actually why do we know people that are insecure are behaving that way and aggressive? It's because we think exactly the same way as other people. We just don't feed into those thoughts. So basically, every single guy will want to be in shape, earn money, and be tough. Every every single guy does. So three things of status, right? Yes, yeah, so it's what women have picked for the, you know for entirety. Yeah. They'll, they'll lie to you and say they don't like that. Of course they do because we're animals in the day. And you either feed into it and admit what you want, or you do is protect your own ego and lie and pretend you don't want those things. Or you you want those things, and then when it gets difficult, you pretend you don't want those things. So the reason why I've met the most amazing people who self-made huge amounts of money, people that have reached the top in terms of mixed martial arts or jiu-jitsu, whatever it might be, the reason why they tend to be the nicest is two reasons. Number one would be they admit to what they want and they're honest with reality. And number two is because they've done the work to get there. It's the biggest one as well. And they've also realized, with particularly with violence, people have fought in wars, they realize how serious it can get. And they realize that 
violence is always the end result. So if someone has an argument, the only truth, someone can punch you in the face. And if you're secure, they can defend yourself, you feel more relaxed. Any guy I say this that starts to fight with people in the bar doesn't know how to fight. And the biggest thing is someone does know how to fight, you don't need to prove yourself. An example, Charlie, will resonate with you. If someone is a multimillionaire, right, we've, we've both done this. When you start earning well, you buy all the nice stuff. And, and eventually, past our point, serious world that billionaires, you have no idea they're wearing super dry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They get to what they don't actually care at all, which is a point where literally they're so secure, they're like, I like those things, but they're in my cupboard at home. They don't care at all. And it's exactly the same thing. If you're tough, you don't need to prove it and you feel secure in yourself. I think that's um, one of my favorite sayings is like the loudest person in the room is the weakest person in the room because you always see it. And for me, it's a big sign of insecurity when people always have to hype themselves up. Yeah. And I see it a lot in particular in the fitness industry when I speak or even look at people, I can just tell by the way they are how much of a front it is. And often, um, very sadly, a friend of mine committed suicide like 10 days ago. Um, and not that he was that way inclined, but he was very over the top happy. And a lot of these people sometimes are putting like a facade up about um, who they are in their position in life, when they've got a lot of problems they're trying to deal with in the background. Whereas I find normally the people who are the most successful are very open in terms of like, yeah, this is really fucking hard at the moment. Um, yes, yes. They're almost doing with a smile on their face, if that makes sense. Yeah, because they, they know. It's funny, actually. They'll be, what, I, what I've learned over time as well, the people that tend to be, they're open to the right people, they'll be honest with their struggling. Do you know what I mean? They'll, mm. they'll talk to you about it as well. But I've had, same as you, why I resonated with each other as well. I've had in the last three years, three of my friends killed themselves. One jumped off London Bridge, one um, hung himself. Actually, one of my um, mentors when I was a kid was a guy called Michael Porter, who was the head, one of the uh, top coaches at Ultimate Performance, actually. So when I went when I was a kid, 19 or so. Um, and another guy of my friends that died from a drug overdose, was it three years ago? All three of those were super successful. Good looking guys, had everything. But I think what it might be to do with a lot of these guys is they're very hard on themselves as well. A lot of people, I know this is something I speak to my dad quite a lot about as well. My dad's decently successful. He said, we both know I'm always jealous of someone that's always delusionally arrogant, where they're literally, they're so confident. You look at them like, you know, you've done well, you look good, etc. You look at them and go, how are they so confident? What's going on here? And the truth is, how much of that is a facade, like you said before? Are they protecting their ego? Of you know, are they protecting themselves from reality? Because they're protecting themselves from actually what's going on. They're not successful. They're not happy with where they are, like your friend. And that's why they put this facade on all the time. But it can only go on so long until they actually face themselves, right? And I think the reality of why I look at everything, whether it's like fitness, business, life in general, people who are high achievers are generally very hard on themselves. And like... 90% of the time, even though things are going well, you're like, this is fucking shit. Like, it's not good enough. It's fucking shit. <laughs> yeah, and then, the time, and yeah. then like, you're pissed off all the time. And 8% yes. of the time, you're like, oh, this is okay. I'm going all right. And 2% of the time, it's like you're winning and you're really happy. It's only tiny the amount you feel yeah, good. Yeah. And, and that's the thing about being like, almost think you have to be battle ready for life. Like from brilliant jiu-jitsu, I imagine you build that type of mindset. And I think a lot of people don't understand that for you to have like great times, you have to have shitty times because yes. you have to have that contrast in life, right? Massively, and that's funny you said about the being hard on themselves. One of the biggest common denominators, I'm sure you get into conversations with these type of people because you want to find out how they become successful. The biggest common denominator in every single one of them, I talk this, about this on my Instagram, but with people I met that are billionaires, literally that level, self-made. One of my one of my clients, I'm a friend now, he was on the board for Lionel Rock, the biggest construction company in the world is a billionaire. And he came from a council estate as well. And I said to him, what has made you so successful? And the usual, I'm not, said, look, I'm not gonna listen to you not being successful. How are you so successful? And he goes, I'm the most insecure person you'll ever meet. And I laughed, he goes, no, I actually am. I'm just honest with what I'm insecure about and do something about it. He said, most people sit there and lie to themselves. I wanted to earn money and be successful because that's what men want. So I went out and fucking did it rather than lying to myself and pretending I don't care about it. The funny thing is the biggest form of ego is pretending you don't care. It's the biggest form of ego. And the ego, healthy ego, is not bad. Ego, admitting you want to be good at stuff, is the healthy ego. You have bad ego, which is pretending to yourself you don't care. So to give you an idea, you see someone doing super, super well, or someone in shape, and you go, I don't care about that. You do. You're only doing that to protect your own ego. Every single person wants to be in shape and earn good money, but people that have an unhealthy ego will lie to themselves and pretend they don't care. And every single millionaire, billionaire, who has a good family as well, is actually genuinely happy, has said exactly the same thing. The first word that comes out of their mouth goes, I'm incredibly insecure. And I think if you look at most people who are successful, whether it's fitness or their business, is they have a superiority complex and they're also insecure, right? <laughs> yes, exactly. They, they think they're better than everyone else yeah, yeah, yeah. and they also have a massive insecurity that drives them to keep pushing. Yeah, exactly. And I is. think, um, yes, you want to find like um, 
happiness if that's such a thing which I'm, I'm more of a believer in fulfillment than happiness purpose and fulfillment. yeah because I think in particular for men like if you don't have a purpose it's like what's the fucking point of like that's why? the point of suicide yeah like because like, like, you don't know what you, where you're going right so it's like why am I getting up tomorrow because it's like to do the same shit over again and I think not to go off on topics but I think that's the problem with western society and particularly if you look at like Europe and the US is that it's like a mouse trap where it traps people into the situation where you're like you got the mortgage, you got the two kids, you got the shitty job where you earn good money, but you, you lose half of it in tax, and you can never get out of that. And you know the reality is, you've got that for the next 30, 40 years, and that's it. That's and massive. What you just said, I want to talk about later. Actually, it's about what about Dubai, etc. People yeah. are in the mouse in a mouse trap. They literally are told all this thing will make things will make you happy, and they people, human beings, are quite honest with themselves deep down, not on the surface. People know it's garbage what's going on in the UK. You know, people that were, are, my friends are back from school, they're surgeons, are living home with their parents. And they see that, you know, their parents' generation can pay for their education, own a little small shop, and they put all their money into their child, which is amazing of them. But now their child's living back home with them is a surgeon. And the reason their parents have more money is purely because they're older and they bought a house a long time ago. It doesn't, ma- it doesn't make any sense, the whole thing as well. But a lot of people are honest themselves and escape from that. Like us, or a lot of my friends actually now are, are leaving the UK because of that as well. Why do you think so many people have? Do you think this is actually interesting? Do you think this some of this is from Bridges and Jiu Jitsu who's given you the mindset to maybe think differently than other people? Because like, I've never done it, but from my outside thinking, it's like it looks like chess, like is in like tactical and like strategic. Whereas that's the way I look at life is like how do you move the pieces around so you get end result you think you want? Do you think that's helped in terms of your decision making and maybe the path of your life you've gone down? I think it's made me, the biggest thing it gave me was, the fact is, well, two things it's given me is, you can't hide. So when you spar with someone or fight someone, you can't live in an altered reality. You know most guys where they yeah. go like, there, there is no one else to help you in this No one else to help you one on one with someone. You're digging yourself out of this. Like. Yeah, and I think biggest, yeah, exactly. So it's like, if you have mummy and daddy's money to help you pay off, pay you off, you always have a get out clause. But if you're sparring with someone, you, you can't, no one's coming to help you. No one's coming to help you. But the biggest thing actually is you don't, you don't live in the actual moment in reality. So the biggest thing guys do is protect their own ego because we both, everyone does it, right? Mm. The idea is that everyone thinks they're tougher than they are. So they literally, you know, you've heard this before. Oh, that guy can fight. But you know, when I see red, it's all over. I'm like, no, it's not the way fighting works. Fighting's a skill. So this is an analogy you like. So say you say you meet someone, right, Charlie, that is, uh, plays golf for 20 yeah. years. And you say to you, Charlie, uh, uh, do you play golf? Uh, yeah, I used to be quite good, recently. Uh, okay, so basically, so, so even an idea, so I, I don't play golf, I'm terrible, I've been top golf. Because you yeah, 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 that's the reason, not because I'm unskilled and mobile and <laughs> <laughs> thick. But anyway, being serious, so if, you, if someone said to me, this guy, or to someone else, you haven't played golf, and this guy's played golf for 20 years, who's better at golf? Well, of course, John's better at golf, he's played golf for 20 years. Um, John has done um, Muay Thai and done Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu for 20 years, um, who were in a fight? Oh, well, actually, but in street fights, completely different. I'm like, therefore, that proves everyone cares about if they can fight or not. And I think that's what the biggest thing is as well. So basically, you have you have no place to escape reality. That's the biggest thing as well. Um, and I've that's the biggest thing I've taken into to, to my, in terms of how I see life. But the biggest, I'm very very fortunate. I had very very good parents. Not in terms of you know parents give me money. It's the opposite of what good actually is. My parents taught me very very good values. So. They were very, very, this is the biggest thing, Charlie, and I don't know if you have the same thing. When I was a kid, parents, they didn't have any really limiting beliefs. Some of the things they did, but earning money and success, they didn't. So say I would see someone with a Ferrari, my dad would go, he's done well, he's worked hard, and now, and now goes lucky as a kid. My dad goes, he's not lucky, he's not got there by chance. Very rarely someone has got there by chance, my dad said. And he said, the reason why women find the Ferrari attractive, he always told me this, is because the kind of person that bought that Ferrari, and the work ethic and drive it's taken to get that Ferrari, not the actual car. And it's the same in terms of someone's physique. Is, and that's why, I don't give a shit if anyone thinks it's right or wrong, but I judge everyone on this. The way you look is a massive reflection of who you are because it shows your self-discipline in terms of how you look after Self-respect yourself. as well. So how can you be the CEO of your business if you can't be the CEO of your body? So like, like we have clients we work with who have like seven, eight-figure, nine-figure businesses and they're really out of shape. They're talking to the whole company. I'm like, people are going to respect you a lot more if you're in really good shape. Of course, always. And this is the big thing for people to understand is that like self-discipline starts with you and the way you look and if you can't control what you eat and what you do every day, then you can't control anything else after that. You can't, no. And another example of that would be, perfect example would be, you know, back in the day you had the fat investment bank. It doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. Um, the way the, first, the start of it is, what's that? Uh, was it American Psycho? Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. That's the equivalent of what people think about investment bank. But the point about the company thing, 
if being in shape didn't matter so much, why did Jeff Bezos, um, Elon Musk, and Mark Zuckerberg, now they've got the money, acquired the money, now they're getting into shape? Grant Cardone's the same. I'm a big Grant Cardone right. fan. Big like, Do you know how old the guy is? I think, I think, he's like 63, I think. No, he's old. something ridiculous. Yeah, something crazy, and I got shocked. But the whole point is that whatever people say, when they look at you and look the shape, uh, look at you at the shape you're in, that shows what you're like as a person. Because self-respect, right? And I despise this, and I, th- I know you know we talk about this quite a lot. This self-love thing. How is self-love being fat and eating shit? It just isn't literally. It's garbage. It's not true at all. <sighs> and this is um, the reality of the soft piece of shit world, in my opinion. We're coming into, and you can say what I want. This is my podcast. That, like, you go into Nike stores and they have plus-size fucking models and stuff, and it's like. I appreciate we don't want to um, push anorexia and all that type of stuff, but it's like... Both rea- are bad. Yeah, the reality is the, the extremes of anything in life are a problem, and the reality is you need to set a good example and not just accept that everyone's going to be fat. Like I spend, You can change that. That's the whole point, right? It's not it's not a disability. You can actually change that by yeah, eating. Yeah, and it's like, yeah. it's not that you're born that way. Correct. It's the compounding effect of all the decisions you've ever made every day. The small decisions going, I, don't, I shouldn't have that, or whatever it is. And I think... Um, the framework most people don't understand and it applies to fitness and business is like and everything you want in life is like every decision you make either takes you towards what you want or away from what you want there's never a neutral like switzerland position right or that or that one one decision is going to change everything not really either right that's yeah. another one as well right um and i think a lot of people don't have that framework yeah it's funny about the about the body positivity thing actually you know, i get a lot of shit off people as well but the funny the great thing is actually then most people go thousands of people go I agree with what you say but you can't say that and I, you know, I say to them you can say that the reason it's got to this level of nonsense is because you haven't said anything and I would say the other reason why it's actually a problem and you can say this on podcasts but not on maybe Instagram is that um, platforms will actually take you down if you go too strongly against some of these things yes correct which is um, the reality that we actually have freedom of speech is now very blurred um, no freedom of speech and anymore. that's Actually, one reason why like Elon Musk buying Twitter is quite cool. I just literally, I, might, I, I was listening to us think of Twitter in my head right now. Yeah, and because um, you can do whatever you want. And the reality is, we should live in a free world where you can have your opinion. Someone can have an opinion that actually is even wrong sometimes because you can have a discussion, mm. right? And actually, how you come to something that actually is sensible is by discussion. You, the reason why it's gone so far that way, and ninety nine percent of people know this is mental illness. What's going on? How far we've gone this way is because there's been no discussion. It's been censored. And what they're trying to do, which is very, very smart, you can edit this bad if you want, but the Instagram right. thing, but it's true. They've tried to edit, basically, everyone, 99% people know this is crazy, but the problem is people are thinking sensibly, then they see Instagram go, oh, maybe I'm crazy. Maybe I'm crazy, because they're censoring all the speech. So someone who's like, who basically isn't that strong in their opinion, but goes, this doesn't really make any sense. Oh, Instagram, all these people are saying body positivity is great. We should have loads of fat models. The thing about the fat model thing as well, in the Nike store, right, is that when you have, actually, Victoria's Secrets would be a better example. They do that Victoria's Secret. Yes, Victoria's Secrets actually the other day, Charlie, it was about two days ago, had um, some massive models on there, right? And we're not talking about this thing is. It might be someone's thing, though. Might yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, so some people are into it. I know a few guys that are into that as well. <laughs> but um, the point is, what was great about this was they had all these Victoria's Secrets, they were very fat. There's a very big difference between, we both said this is very important, having anorexic models and having really, really fat models. Both are bad, both are not healthy. The problem with what they're doing is pushing this obese obese thing. And every single comment on there was furious. They're going, what the fuck are you doing? And women going, as a fat person, I want to aspire to be in shape. As a fat person, why are you squeezing them into these really small clothes? It looks horrible. Or not one comment thought it was good. The, and I've seen loads of stuff, like Lad Bible, you noticed recently. Yeah. It's going a very, very strange direction. They had The other day, they had anyone that watches Joe Rogan is considered very unattractive by, the, by women. And all these women are going, I watch Joe Rogan myself. What the, what the hell are you doing? It's almost a playbook. Then they're now going on to, what's his name? Russell Brand saying he's a sex offender. It's like a playbook they're going by. Now now the next one as well, now they're pushing OnlyFans saying it's a great way to get revenge on people by producing only OnlyFans. I'm like, what? Like, what is this? It's, it's crazy, Charlie, the way they're going as well. But luckily people are seeing through it, I think. Luckily they're going, this is crazy. Um, I think so. I think there's enough people with common sense to try and come around that. And I think... I hope. Yeah, I hope. The biggest... The two biggest things I think I see with people is that they, one, lack the ability to think critically, and two, they're not willing to accept the harsh truths. And I often ask people, like, one of the best questions you can ever ask a coach or a mentor of you is, like, what do I believe to be true that isn't? 
because we all have a lot of preconceived ideas about ourselves, our future. People, whatever, everything. Right? And sometimes you have blind spots to yourself you can't see and you need someone to be brutally fucking Isn't that the whole point of a business coach or, mm. or, or a, or a um, fitness coach? You can literally know the same thing. If you're doing competition, not getting into shape, you'd hire a coach. The reason is they can see your blind spots. They're seeing in logically, not emotionally. Same with, say, you go and see a therapist because that person can look in logically. You can give the best advice in the world, Charlie, but when it's yourself, you have blind spots. You're mm. thinking emotionally rather than logically. And this is the problem that people don't understand. And it also this is why I have a huge gripe against people who are against coaching. I'm like, every success I've had in my life has been a product of coaching. I probably have three, four people coach me now for various things because that's how you acquire skills and get better. And then life is a game of skill acquisition. They compound on each other. Right? Yes. Yeah. And I think particularly an old school British mentality is like, oh, I'll figure it out on my own. And it's like, why don't you pay someone who can um, so you don't waste your time who's made the mistakes already and they've had the pain points rather than you fucking up and losing fuck loads of money yeah and then you shorten the time horizon right like shorten the time you, you could figure out how to get in shape in the next five ten years but you've been trying to figure it out for ten years so it's probably not going to happen or you could just pay, pay someone who's done it before pay either of us who's done it thousands of people before and be like ta-da well that's what happens how many people is amazing actually so I don't online PT myself anymore, but our team does. And a guy had a message off Instagram saying, Giuseppe, you know, works for me. Um, it's a business partner. He said, he goes, he's absolutely fantastic. I've get, you have this loads of times. In six weeks, I've achieved more than I have in five years of training. I'm like, there you go. And this is the funny thing. I explain this to people. I'm like, you'll achieve more in 12 weeks to all whatever it is. Say someone who's just a bit chubby, a normal businessman, like 18, 20% body fat. And I say, no, I'm honest with them. How long do you need? I say, you have to do a 12-week program. Some people go, you need more than that. It's not a quick fix. With this guy, I was like, you need 12 weeks. And then the thing is, in 12 weeks, you're in proper shape. You've been doing spinning your wheels for 10 years. There's a point, Charlie, after you're honest with yourself, you're not getting anywhere. Look at the guy, Charlie, in every commercial gym, benching 100 kilos for one rep each week, one rep max, struggling on the one rep max every week. And you're like, you didn't realize if you actually did a proper program with someone like yourself, you would literally break that barrier within 10 weeks rather than you've been doing seven years doing the same thing and not achieving anything. And that definition of insanity from Albert Einstein is doing the same thing over again, expecting a different result, right? And I think the problem is, particular for men, I think women are better than this, most men aren't willing to ask for help and be humble. Yeah, (laughs) we're we're terrible, literally, yeah. um, And again, this is something I'm slagging off British people, we're both British, I think British people are much worse than like Americans and Canadians for that, because we seem to think like the whole stiff upper lip, like I'll figure out my own, Bullshit. That's very, very British in business as well. Mm. So we're coming out here to Dubai. So British people in business, they literally always go, why should I do that? And then US and Canadians, literally yeah, Americans will go, um, will go, why not? Mm. Americans much more, I, why are pushing the American market? I know the reason because we know financially, if they have the same amount of money, a British person, an American person, the US go, well, why not? Sounds good. Ticks all the boxes, why not? British people were very, very dubious of things. We are. I'm British. I know exactly. Someone says hello to you, then what do they want? Why are you talking to me? Why are you talking to me? I had an example, you'll love this one. I came to the bars in Business Bay. And um, it was where all the investment banks are probably, maybe it's the IFC. And this guy came up to me. He wasn't dodgy at all. I think it was one of the investment bankers. And he comes up to me and goes, Can I can I have some of your time? I went, ah, It's really bad. I feel disgusted by this. Like, no, not now. And then the guy, I'm really sorry to bother you, mate, but you just have an amazing physique. Like, I respect you so much, man. You look awesome. And the guy's like a normal guy. I'm, like, I'm so sorry, mate, literally. I goes, I'm from London, literally. As soon as someone talks to me, I think they're going to mug me or take something <laughs> from me. I think I found it funny, but it's terrible. It's terrible, isn't it? Um, and this is interesting. The reason you had that reaction is because you're so trained against having that. Because that happened to me a lot in the US. It's happened to me here a lot. And I'm like, I almost don't know how to deal with it because it's not something I've ever really had much other than when I'm outside of the country. Yeah, it's just it's just the people I think around the world, and I, I know we, we joke about this and all our friends do as well, like, oh, I hate everyone. I actually really, really don't. And the thing is, I joke, it's okay to joke about it, but I'm very, very careful when I say that. I'm like, I genuinely am passionate about people. I actually, I really, really like people. I want, the reason why I lead this life is because I genuinely, happiness that we said before is a bit confused. I have very strong purpose. I want other people to live a fulfilled life. And the most fulfilled way to live your life is being in shape. You, everything else will go better if you control your eating and your food your food and your nutrition your training and you feel good happy enough with how you look in the mirror everything else will go better every single business relationships everything I've got an interesting topic so I, we, we briefly talked upon this before camera we're both 33 although we look like 23 of course you know, yeah you, 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 uh, you actually do I actually look about no, 46 I but <laughs> I, I, I've aged a lot in the last two years yeah. but um, 
I'm trying to work on like a skincare routine to try to <laughs> and I went on sunbed earlier. Um, I was about to say, hang yeah, on, I can see yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah, the I, winkies. Yeah. I, even took, I took them off a bit to try not to get them. I was like, fuck. <laughs> um, what do you think is the biggest thing in terms of keeping your body running at like peak performance? So I'll give you a good example, right? So for me, uh, I had my blood work done two weeks ago and my cortisol levels were off the fucking charts from stress and working like 80 hours a week and training a lot. So it's like, cool, I need to deal with that. Yeah. Um, so I've like reined my training back into four days a week. Um, also added in some peptides for adrenal stuff and done some other stuff to try and optimize that. What I need would your you, guy? That sounds really yeah. cool. I'll try afterwards. Yeah. yeah. Um, really cool. What would you say? I've done the ho- if you haven't listened to that podcast. The podcast before this actually talked about this. Oh, what, awesome. would, what would you say um, for you is the big thing you're noticing and changes in your body, or you do with clients as they start to get older? As much as I pain to say that. Yeah, of course. Um, so. The way to describe it is very, very simple. Um, you can get into, the, we've seen with your clients and everyone, you can be in the best shape of your life, your 30s, 40s, and 50s, even 60s. The th- difference is you need to be doing the things you should have been doing when you're younger. Eye sleeping, eating better. So you get away with more things when you're younger. If you're doing the right things anyway, you'll still just feel just as good. Um, one of the biggest ones I've noticed myself with clients, you can't get away with bad sleep. That's the big, I know it's boring because people don't want to hear this as well. They want to hear something really fun, but like actually is you just can't get away with bad sleep. Like if I sleep badly, I'm literally awful. Like I genuinely am an awful person. Worse than normal even. But, yeah. <laughs> Have you slept badly? No, I'm just a prick. <laughs> I actually slept 10 hours yesterday. Um, but yeah, sleep is the biggest one. And I know people want to hear something sexy, but it, it's the way to describe it, right? People want to, you sure have this with clients, right? What are the newest supplements? What are the best supplements? What protein powder? What pre-workout, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. What creatine should what I take? What creatine, yeah, what cre- exactly. What creatine should I take? And I say to them, you do realize, they, they know this when I tell them, all these supplements you can take and tell you all the best quality supplements you can imagine, everything will be outweighed by you just getting eight hours sleep a night. It's even stretching, even all this stuff, all ice bath, sauna, everything. These stuff, this stuff is great. I'm not saying it doesn't have a place, but just sleeping eight hours will trump all of that. And, and it boils down to probably three things. Number one would be enough sleep. Um, and the biggest way to do that is in terms of, ca- I love caffeine. We're literally, I'm obsessed with caffeine, but the biggest thing is cutting it off after a certain time. Go crazy, but stop by one o'clock. And the other one would be, um, is making sure you enough protein. So the biggest life hack for not overeating, we both know you tell everyone this, is eating three to four solid protein meals a day with some veg. And the other one would be, lifting weights three times a week. If you just do those, add some cardio, etc., steps, etc. but really it's eating enough protein, weight training, and sleeping properly is the, the most powerful things you can do. And what I love about that is it's so basic, yet I find it interesting how so many people manage to confuse that, if that makes sense. Why do we create lead magnets so people have more problems? <laughs> no, 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 being serious, no. So generally, when you do a lead magnet like yourself, whatever nutrition guide, right, whatever it is, the generally all, this is a funny thing, this actually is relevant, I joke about it, but you have a nutrition guide and training guide, every single thing is there, right? You tell them how to train, how to set up their training, you tell them how to set up the nutrition, if they follow that, they'll be shredded. Factually, it's not, it's not hiding from them, literally they say everything is there. But the difference is really the biggest thing is the habit building accountability. And that's why coaching is so important. And that is actually everything. That's the sad thing. You know, Nick Mitchell owns Ultimate Performance. He's worth hundreds of millions. And one thing I, I respect him massively, he has balls. Like during what's been going on the last few years, he just tells it how it is. He's not scared. But one of the biggest things he says, I have a business based on PT that turns over this much money. I'll be honest with you. You're not paying for a nutrition plan. Most of you know how to eat. Most of you know how to train. You're paying for someone to stand by you and actually keep you accountable and say, have you stuck to your diet? That's the biggest thing. And basically what you're, what you're hiring is someone that holds you accountable, doesn't let you bullshit, doesn't and let you lie. And you your respect as well. And you respect. You cannot have someone who's, your, uh, your sadly, your partner. You know what it's like. Literally, look at... Um, an example, actually, someone I train with, a guy called Bobby Rich. He's very good friends with David Beckham. Looks after children's a very good friend of theirs. And he said, you know, David Beckham, his kids roam, etc. It's their dad still. They laugh at him and think he's he's, he's not as stupid. But they don't think he's like their dad. Not going to listen to him. David Beckham's the coolest guy in the world, but it's their dad. So same sort of thing. You need to have someone who's a bit of a stranger, actually. And you've had this before with clients, right? I'm sure. Sadly, some clients have become too friendly with you. Not too. It's great. You've made a friend, right? But then that you must go like you probably need to go to the coach. Because they're too friendly, they're not going to listen to you anymore. Which is not as a nice thing, you've gained a friend, but go, that thing is the time you move on to somebody else. Because you need someone you respect and a bit scared of, actually, as well. Yeah, I think that's what we come out to earlier, is about having that um, harsh conversation with people that um, you sometimes don't want to have. Because I've always been very blunt with people, which 
the harsh conversation most people aren't willing to have is the one that needs to be had and I think most people really struggle with that and I think often the blunt truth is what most people need and they're not used to it yeah and that's about the body positivity thing mm. we got sidetracked earlier but um, I put up about how people this is a really good example so someone you know you've had friends I'm sure close to you as well and, and tell by your own energy mm. you've had friends in your life that have had drug addictions etc around you right well, everyone's had friends like that but the biggest thing as well when someone's an alcoholic or drug addict the first thing to do is realise it's a problem so by social media telling people that being fat is okay and celebrities in particular going being fat I'm living my best life the truth is you're not having that hard conversation with someone the first step to getting becoming alcohol free is someone telling you that's an issue because you'll lie to yourself to literally cover it all up because you don't want to face the harsh truth first step is admitting it's a problem these celebrities that go about the body positivity in that we're not talking about someone who's just normal looking someone who's massively overweight right? is damaging the health um increase your risk of cancer by 80 percent. by the way being obese just to let you know and i think it's one in 1.8 people get cancer something insane or kills them so something crazy so serious you're going to die from cancer basically if you get obese and if you really care about someone you're going to have that harsh conversation with them i with friends and family and loved ones by having that harsh conversation with them is because you love and care about them telling them it's fine and they're fun the real reason society is doing that at the moment is because you don't want to be you don't want to be held accountable yourself either you don't want to be held to high standards the real reason why you won't hold someone to that high standard is because you don't want to be held to high standards it's crabs in a bucket i hold my friends to high standards because i hold myself to a high standard i want them to do the same because i actually love and care about them and know that someone who's massively obese is killing themselves and no one else will have that hard conversation. The first step is to go, this is a problem. But I love you and care about you and I'm here for you. I'm not here to judge you. It doesn't make you bad being a fat person. It doesn't even necessarily, some people, 50%, yes, they are lazy. But 50%, we've seen with very serious business owners, what they've done is they've literally ignored the health completely. They're not lazy. They just don't give a fuck about the health because it's taking up time, they think, in the head. They literally go, fuck that. All I do is want to earn money. The problem is the bottleneck for the next level of development and earning more money is their health. And that's when someone like you steps in, or me. And I think that only comes to a lot of those guys when they have a rude awakening, often with a health scare. Sadly, yeah, or sadly, something, right? something bad happens, or they get uh, blood work or some type of scan done, they're like, fuck, I need to deal with this. And the reality is, the sooner you deal with a problem like that, the easier it is to go away. Um, the pain point isn't big enough till then, basically, right? Yeah. Lots of things in life. Yeah, yeah, and it's... Um, one of the questions we be interested to ask you would be, what's the biggest challenge you think you faced? You know, the hardest thing I've actually done is building a business. And I've had some horrible, like, not horrible, this is like a literally very, very Western world horrible things, the normal stuff. Well, my, you know, the best friend died from a drug overdose when I was uh, 28 and I went through a divorce. My wife's having an affair, so I'm at work. Um, my mum at the same time got diagnosed with cancer. Um, so basically I had a period where my best friend died from drug overdose, friend Daniel. Then my mum got diagnosed with cancer, bone cancer. Um, and then my wife found out I was having an affair with someone at work. So I moved back home with my parents. And funnily enough, the reason I mentioned all this, we're going through another point, another stage, building a business is still harder than that. Building a business, and you know it's really hard because it is that, it's, it's literally the most fulfilling thing I've done in my entire whole life. It gives me all my purpose and I, it's, everything to me it's my baby but it's also the hardest thing i've done in my entire life in terms of every single emotion charlie you can imagine has come with building a business and everything everything um, i would say the moment you think you've completed it fucking something goes wrong and for fuck's sake i've got to deal with this problem that's now. the part that's the harsh reality yeah. isn't it as soon as you sit back and you're drinking pina colada is the fact that not that i drink pina colada it was um yeah. something harsher than that of course <laughs> It was actually, it was actually alcohol-free pina colada. <laughs> but um, once, you, once you take a step back, you have the fear, right, that it's going to go wrong. And quite often it does. Mm. The truth is, it will... And I think that I've spoken to guys of well, well, much further ahead of me, like someone like yourself or Phil Graham or even serious billionaires. And they say the fact is that it never really... You always have to do some work. It's just the way it is. And whenever you feel that relaxed period, like we're having a good month, and then you sit back, then something terrible comes in. And that's the truth is as well, that always you have that fear of them being able to relax and you feel guilty when you relax, which is bad. It's something I need to change and probably you need to change, but I, yeah. It's funny you say that about the relaxing because that's like, not I can't switch off, but it's almost like I don't want to, if that makes sense. Yeah, you don't, yeah, that's it. You like being on your phone. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, I yeah. like doing shit and I yeah. like, like, 
I like the uphill battle, right? Because yeah. anything in life worth achieving is uphill. Of course it is. Otherwise, otherwise, what's the point? Purpose and work at work is what makes us happy as men, right? Yeah, and then you would know if your business owner's mind, like when you get messages from people about how you've changed their life, like fuck me, like that means more to me than anything because it's like really does right the, the impact. You, I can't even it sounds gay, but like the warm fuzzy feeling you get. Yes, from it, it does. Yeah, just makes yeah. you feel really good, and that's like the dopamine hit you're searching. Well, because it's, pur it's purpose, right? As, as men, we're gonna say like the purpose thing, and I think it's built into all men. Not to sound like we're nice, nice people, etc. Generally, what makes me happy is actually change someone's life, change someone's life that has in a positive way, because you want them to genuinely. Because you know how important the system. When you do sales, right, as well. I don't do the personal calls. Maybe you probably don't do them yourself either. But the biggest thing for me is that it means a lot to me because I know that will change their life. Mm. And when you see that actually that person, because I know how how good they feel you know it's funny when i moved to dubai actually and when i just moved here and anyway mates who lived here for a while they're successful business owners and they look at me and they smile like why are you smiling because i know how good that feels when you move here <laughs> and then it's the same feeling when someone gets in shape i know how good that feels and it makes you feel good same when you ask about how how's dubai and you know i'm going to say it's great and then we talk about the bad side but that's <laughs> yeah but that's it, it's the most important thing you can ever do is genuinely change someone's life genuinely and i would say that a lot of people don't spend enough time identifying what their gift is and then giving it to the world and helping people do that or they're too scared to do it yeah so an example of that would be i'm one of the big, biggest gifts actually at the moment is friends who say working investment banks or doing whatever it might be like a corporate job and they go to me they want to open their business they'll ask me questions and i say you need and i give the generic boring answer to be honest you need to find something you love and then monetize it right because that is that is the truth right and you sell something you would buy yourself. That's the biggest one, actually. Something you would actually buy into because then it's easy to sell. The problem is, uh, not problem is, both of us are very lucky. We are not lucky because we found it. But we do, we basically monetize something you love. Let's not pretend. We generally, a hobby is what we sell, right? Or, and that's the hardest thing you can find is doing that. Monetize something you love. And it's hard to find that for most people. Something you're good at, right, as well. And I think when you do do that, you will be successful because you're true to your values, right? And you understand throughout the whole process what it takes to get the client the end result because you've done the thing and can't I, teach from a place from being yourself authentically right and that's my big argument with a lot of businesses i see is that people teach from a, a, a perspective of theory rather, rather than practice mm -hmm. and then the highest level of authority of anything is like the person who's done the thing and then also teaches other people to do both the both both that that is the most powerful thing so when i started pt actually i remember i went to i was went to good school got good a levels went to good uni and then i remember the two years at uni and then had a year off or basically worked to PT. I just had enough of studying. My parents, that's fine. As long as you're earning money, not going backwards. Worked to PT in Jimbox Bank in the city. And I remember I, my parents were like, no, my parents are good to be fair to them as well. Like they're actually like, look, if you do something, look, get your degree, but do something you love. And and, I, and, and and then I did my first year, I remember 19 grand or something. My dad said, I get, I really love the fact that you're doing something you love, but you do need to look after yourself at one point. And I said to him, I'll earn more money doing something I love. If I do something I love, I'll end, earn more money than doing anything I hate. And I'll end up successful as a byproduct. And that's the truth, and that's what happened, literally. I was passionate about it and literally loved it. And that's how I did well, basically, was doing that. And that comes down to what we said earlier in the fact that you don't want to stop working because you fucking love doing it. Yeah, it's my, it's my life, isn't it, literally. Did it, it's really interesting, actually, talking to my parents when I was younger, you've had the same thing, right? And when you're younger, like, why is this fucking multimillionaire literally still working? It's not even what well, they love, it's them. It's harder, it's hard, it's more than that, literally. It's not even, it's a compulsion. Mm. That's the way to describe it. It's not even something you love or purpose, it's compulsion. Like you'll die without it. And I'm sure you've had this before, Charlie. I know it's something to talk, talk to you about, you'll love this. When I think of sitting on a beach, not working, drinking, whatever, I'm joking, like sitting and drinking pina colada, that gives me a rush of anxiety. Genuinely, it literally makes you feel like I want to throw up. It makes you feel suicidal. Genuinely, I think we're literally sitting and doing nothing, like I can't, I can't, I can't. I need to wake up and have purpose. I need to get up and train in the morning. I need to have my meals. Not because of being body, body composition is what I do. I love the routine. I love the purpose. Your business is everything to you. And I can't fathom not working. And that's why men, they carry on working. You see guys, you carry on working in the 60s and 70s. My dad's a dentist. When he retired, I'm not exaggerating, Charlie, and says he aged about 10 years in a year. Literally 10 years in one year. I'd probably say the same for mine. And I think it's the mental challenges that keep you young. And I think yes. that's an important thing for anyone listening to this. And the same thing for me, and I know you're gonna be exactly the same. My goal is to keep lifting weights and doing all this shit until basically like yeah. I'm dead basically. Till you're dead, yeah. yes. Yeah. Till I physically fucking can't. Yeah. And the reality is then that means I know I'm gonna be able to keep doing this for a long time. Yeah. Because the moment you start trying to slow down or thinking like, oh, I have to slow down is 
your body would just go down. Your body will go downhill. And actually, talking about the jiu-jitsu thing, asking about the quality, jiu-jitsu is amazing here, actually. So I was lucky enough to go black belt with a guy called Roger Gracie, who's the best black belt I've ever lived. Um, so down here is really high quality. And actually, I was sparring the other day, um, one of the guys, Chaga, world-class black belt. Sparring, we had really good sessions sparring with each other. Nothing happened. I was trying to like lift him a bit, elevate him from my guard. And then for like a crack in my, my shoulder, I was like, fucking hell, what's this? And then and he's like, oh shit, I heard that. And he goes, did your bicep look like that before? I'm like, yeah, it looks completely normal. So I was walking past the um, mirror in my flat and I went, what the fuck is that, literally? And then I realized, basically, look at, yeah, so you, you know what it is. So I knew I tore my bicep and actually, so I went to, the healthcare's amazing, I booked him for surgeon. The same guy that fixed, um, you know, um, who's the guy Benus that tore his pec with Larry Wheels? Ryan Crowley. I was yes. There. I was there. I, I was there. Oh. That was my fault. Because I... Um, oh, it, no. Oh, no, 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 no. Any, Anyone Google Ryan Crowley, Charlie Johnson on my YouTube channel, the, the whole video is there. Yeah, I remember. That's but, what I mentioned. But, yeah. Um, basically, I was running the session. I was like, oh, let's do incline bench. And that really put me off training for about a week to 10 days. Because um, I've never... Like, when you see a grown man cry in the gym, I'm like, fuck me. Fuck. Um not just the pain, it's you know you're fucked, basically. As well, and right? it's an example in terms of um, training with your brain, not your balls. Because before it, to go off on a tangent, he tried. He did like a set on like 180. I was like, that's really impressive. I'm like incline bench press. I was like four plate side of like 12 reps. He's like, oh, I'm going to do five because I think Larry did it. And then um, what are you gaining from that? <laughs> nothing. That's the whole point. Nothing, right? Exactly. And um, he then tried to unrack it. The five plates like 220. Basically, it fell off the bench. I was like, Ryan, this is really not a good idea. It's like, just do 200. Like, no one's going to think any less if you yeah, do. Yeah, it's true. Like, that, and then you'll be safe if you get five reps up, yeah, right? Like, and then um, and then he, he did it, and whatever happened, he blew his peck off the fucking bone, basically. But before that, if you watch the YouTube video, it's really good. Not good, but it's interesting because it's like watching a car crash when you watch the video. Because before, I was taking the piss out of him. He can't get his hand back past here because he has no shoulder mobility. So when you load you that go. to max, you, you go past fuck? that range of motion, you've got nothing. The weight pushes past that range of motion, right? Wow, wow, I didn't know about that at all. Fucking hell. How's he now? Is he still in Dubai, right? No, no, he's in the UK now. So he, I think he did a bodybuilding show after it, but he still trains, but not at the level he was. And that's an example, like a saying I say to a lot of people, is um, one set won't make your physique, but can break your physique. So like... Well, that's actually, I'm going to take that in, actually, you just said, yeah. Um, ironically, because wow. before in the car I looked at this, I uh, I put a video up like yesterday or two days ago basically said bench press is really shit exercise for like chest high. I saw that one, yeah. Because like people tear their pecs all the time and I got three people in like two months. And literally someone shared the stories like calling me like effing the blind and all that stuff and I was like, it's Whoa. funny the world you live in but um, the reality is that I think an incline bench is probably not Incline actually is better than flat, I think. For well, that, well de I definitely agree with that as well. Mm. Whether it's scientific or not, if you look at all the best bodybuilders in the world who... Look, a good example would be about, you know, eating multiple meals a day. Do you remember, that's not nonsense, that's bullshit. Now the science come out why you should be eating, etc. multiple meals per day. Same with people saying, oh, um, why incline bench isn't better than uh, uh, flat. But you're, well, all the best bodybuilders in the world do incline dumbbells. All of them with the best packs, they actually do. And that probably is a, a proof in the pudding. Whether, whether there's actually scientific um, evidence, success leaves clues. And they're probably not going to get there by chance. If everyone's doing that same thing, it doesn't necessarily... And, at a high level, not everyone's doing the same mm. thing like an average person. If they're that high level bodybuilder and all in the same thing, it's probably success leaves clues. And I completely agree with you about incline. And that for me, a lot of times, it's um, not what you know, it's what you can prove. And it's like all the best people do this. So yeah, they probably know something. If all the top people, top um, CEOs do a certain thing, probably success leaves clues. Even though it might not every process, give an idea. If you copied the, the person who's top in the world at something, um, are they doing everything perfectly? No. But you probably are going to get pretty high to a high level. Do you know what I mean? You're going to, mm. even they do some mistakes, overall there'll be something right they're doing. Do you know what I mean? The whole um, process will be correct. Yeah, and it's a compound effect of the daily habits you have, which is why I'm super anal about my routine and structure, my week schedule and how I run everything. So like I can dial stuff in and can get as much done as physically possible because that's, when you do that compounded over a long period of time, you achieve a lot of stuff. Yeah, and you don't realise those small steps, how much they add up over the years. Um, yeah, so about the, the surgeon, anyway, the point being anywhere about, about that, what do you even get sidetracked about? What was I seem saying about the bicep, bicep tear? Yeah, so yeah, about the bicep tear. And um, basically what happened was, again, literally, that, um, so I, I, I you know, tore my bicep. The surgeon said to me, tore your bicep, let's get an MRI. Did the MRI, saw the surgeon. Luckily, where I tore it, it's the proximal part of the bicep, which is um, insertions in, in your shoulder. So what it means, basically, that movement, all it does is supination. Are this, but most of the supinators are actually other muscles in your forearm. So what he said to me is actually, your function is fine, 
by having surgery, all it's going to do is actually change the shape of it. And he goes, do you body build? I said, not really. I just want to be able to basically train. He goes, well, I said, this is what's different to say, well, going back to now where I was going, say 10 years ago, I said to him, I want to do what the best is long-term. I don't care if in six months time goes past, am I in better shape or worse shape doing this decision or this decision? And he said, you'll be in exactly the same position whether you have surgery or don't have surgery. I said, well, I won't have surgery. I only care being able to do this long-term. The most important thing for me to do with training is I love it so much. I want to be able to do it till I drop dead. I don't care about anything else. It's, it's not what it's what I do. It's like you said before, I want to be able to do this as long as possible. And 10 years ago, I think a quick fix. I can get back to training quickly, do this. But now I'm like, whatever's better long-term. That's all I care about as well. And being able to train for as long as possible is everything to me. Everything to me. Because that's who you are, right? Who you are. It's like when I had, I've had three knee surgeries actually on my right knee. Is from, that all from jiu-jitsu? All from jiu-jitsu. So um, I remember my dad saying to me, my mum actually, was actually a professional swimmer, multiple national champion in swimming. And so she understands that kind of, that kind of mindset. And my dad said to me, well, why don't you stop jiu-jitsu? And I said to him, dad, I'll literally kill myself. And I said, I, I said, not even literally kill myself, I literally will, I'm a dead person living if I do that. And then my dad was laughing, saying, no, I'm serious, literally. There's not even literally what I love, it's who I am, it's what I am, literally. And the same goes now with your business. It's who you are. Why would you ever stop doing something you love? Because it's work. It's not work, you earn money from it, it's your work's money. It's, but your, it's, li it's your life. It's your life, yeah, it's your life. And I think the more people have that attitude with their life, the greater the success and fulfillment they'll have, and apostrophe happiness, because I think, um, a lot of people live a life they're not happy with because they're not willing to face the harsh realities of that's the path everything. going down. That's absolutely everything mm. in the whole world. Um, this You'll love this, I don't know the next topic, but when you walk into a gym and you go into a commercial gym, every single thing, 90% of people do in that gym is to protect their ego. So 90% of people, they change their workouts every week. We do, Actually, you talk about this a lot. They change their workouts week to week. You know why they fucking do it, Charlie? To avoid the fact they're not improving. That's the real reason they change it up. Or they do a circuit that basically is changed every week because you, how do you know if you're getting fit? You don't. Everything they do is protect the harsh reality. They're not improving. And that's why, in my opinion, we live in a black and white world. It's like, it's zeros and ones, right? You're either going forwards, you're going backwards. And if you're not going forwards, you're going backwards because yep. it's like time, essentially. So the more people understand that and then they actually track the data, whether it's their business or their training or whatever it is in life, like the more success you have. And if something's not working, you need to review what that thing is and change it. Yeah, but you don't know whether it's not working because you don't have any-, any You're not uh, tracking it. Not tracking it, yeah. It, just quickly, an example, actually, to be honest, we had a, July was, was a bad month for us, but this July particularly was not good. And what happened was we looked back at the data and went, what are we doing wrong? We, we basically what we did was the lead bag we had, we went through, we basically started calling all the lead magnets, people downloaded it, having a conversation with them. And necessarily didn't necessarily sign anyone up, but now September we've had, the best month we've ever had. And the funny thing was, I was talking to Giuseppe, my business partner, he said, we wouldn't have done that unless we we're tracking the data. We also wouldn't have done that unless we had something bad happen. If we we're just chipping along, going, 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 everything's fine, everything's fine, we never would have made positive change. So that's why the whole point is, all these negative things that happen in your life are the best things. That's when you learn. And Ed Sheeran talks about it. He said, you actually learn nothing from success. Did you nothing? You only learn when you actually things are difficult. And that's when you make change. And this is a very strange thing I'm about to say, and I know you as someone who's very driven, successful, understand is that success is often very un unfulfilling. Like you yes. get there and like, what the fuck do I do now? Like just, oh, it's, what's the next goal? The whole point is purpose, right? So the, the about is progression. So everyone's done this, right? You buy, you look forward to buying a nice watch, nice car, whatever it is. And I know people I know, I remember my friends who've done really well. When I bought my, my, my Ferrari, I remember people said to me, how's it feel? My dad laughed because he knew what I was going to say to him. I was like, yeah, it's really fun. And then he asked me again in a week, he said, I just was normal now, literally. I barely even realized that. Like, why is someone waving at me in my car? Because, because literally, you're as a man, then you're looking for the next step. You're always looking for the next step, which I think is not necessarily a bad thing. I think the biggest thing that makes you happy long-term is understanding that it's just a stepping stone to the next thing. And there's nothing wrong with that. But then realizing, accepting you've done well, you're progressing. I think progression is actually what makes you happy. Purpose and progression. 100%. Yeah. And that for me, I think, is uh, the frustration I feel sometimes when you're stagnant. And that's why like, only 2% of the time you feel like you're winning because unless it's like you're really like making ground, you're like, this is shit. Like Jordan Peters talks a lot about that. He said, um, biggest thing is actually micro-progressions, right? Mm -hmm. With everything you do, literally whatever it is. And you don't even care where you are once you're making progression. You don't actually care that you're not playing you want to. You can never be where you want to be. It's not possible. But actually making progress is what keeps you feeling fulfilled. You get a, like, small dopamine hits basically all the time. And 
the more I get like learn about this, the more I get into it, the more you realize how your whole thought process and bodies run on dopamine and your choices. Yes. Like that's literally what runs the world. And I say transitioning to the next part of the conversation is Dubai is like dopamine central in terms of like shit all the time. Quick fixes, right? Yeah, yeah. And it's like you can just order it like that. And so you like, say you like junk food, like you can order fucking cookies there in five minutes or like whatever you want. Not that I've ever done that before. <laughs> uh, I would buy the face now. When you first get here, yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. You, you, it's just too easy, right? So you can have not have the cookies in the house, but then you get them there in five minutes, it's even worse. That's the problem. You mm. can't, don't have them in the house, like, but yeah, I can order it in five minutes anyway. Yeah. So, um, what would you say has been the big change for you in terms of moving to Dubai? <laughs> it's really bad because I'm just going to say, I always have to say, probably the tax rebate. <laughs> no, being serious, um, the, biggest, the biggest change for moving here is. Um, the mindset of people here. So you, anyone that's moved to Dubai like yourself will understand this and will resonate with you massively. You have the most incredible people I've ever met in my entire life where people come here, people, even manual workers working, you know, in supermarkets, they want to change their life. Everyone is here to change their life because no, not many people have actually grown up here. Everyone who's come here has tried to make some sort of change. Whether even a drug dealer or not, to be honest with you, at least they're trying to move someone and improve their life. So everyone is here to try and improve their life, which is cool. But the other thing is you do meet a lot of people the opposite way. I've met the most, the worst people I've met my entire life as well, where I've met some people that are the most delusionally arrogant people I've met my entire life as well. But I live in my bubble and they are what they are. They're not doing harm to me. And the happier you are, more content you are, the less they annoy me. I look at them and laugh, but I don't actually care that much. It's just like, it is what it is. Let them do them, kind of thing. Um, are those people in the fitness industry of interest? What do you mean? Yeah, yeah. Every, 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 I'll be honest with you, every single person I've met that's actually a prick has been in the fitness industry is like that as well. Yeah. And the people, this is, well, actually everyone knows this, all the people that have been in the fitness industry have been like that have, no, I would say men and women 50-50, but the women have mainly been, they mean me hookers, that's the honest truth. They're, they're, they are literally working, working other stuff. So they have one client a day and they'll literally be driving a G-Wagon and the, the money adds up eventually and <laughs> really goes somewhere as well. But that's the way um, Dubai is. I think that, you know what, good for them. Um, I Genuinely, not pretending to be a good person, I genuinely have a problem with it at all. I am on those people. If they want to do that, and that's a better way, easier way to make money, go for it. I just don't like the fact you're looking down on somebody else. That you're the same as me. Go, go for it. You know, I actually respect it. Go for it. Like yeah, no, it's your sure. hustle. Fuck yeah, it. Yeah. Literally, I actually respect that almost. But I just don't like the fact that you're looking down on everyone. That's yeah. the only issue I have. Uh, everyone's got a unique skill set you need to use and play the cards you're dealt. Right. Correct. Correct. And for them, actually, if they're good looking and actually has a good way to make money, maybe it won't make them happy long term. But deal with it. You know, use that. Fuck it, literally. I genuinely don't. People, I actually, I actually annoys me. People judge it. Like, go for it. You know what? What's the problem? I'm not cheating anyone. The guy knows they're getting. They, they know what they're getting. There's no issue with that whatsoever. I just don't like the fact that they start looking down on people. But I think the honest truth is the reason they look down on people is because they're not actually happy with what they're doing. Um, that insecurity deep down as well all the time as well. 100. I think it's a, a self reflection thing. But I'd say, people here are either one way or the other. And my favorite thing is just the community and network of people you can meet with because i know tomorrow i'm going for dinner with a load of sick people and it's like everyone lives within like 20 minutes of each other oh it's amazing isn't Whereas it like, yeah that's far now 20 minutes yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, literally like and in, in london it's like like i don't know i used to live outside london it took me two hours to get Brutal. in and it's just a nightmare um so you can live a fast-paced world in a bubble where you can be a high performer and achieve anything and it's like a you live in a world with no limits for me it's like playground of like greatness almost yeah so what you said was amazing actually so you know from london myself and th on that note so this basically is somewhere you can be successful um and actually if you play your cards right be very very successful in london that sadly has come to an end people say it has it has come to an end so the reason it's come to an end is very very simple which is explain this so if you are someone in london first of all the nap the new the old position where you could do upper middle class, you went to university, became a doctor, lawyer. It doesn't work. Doesn't work. It doesn't work at all anymore. And people go, well, I know this guy. I'm like, first of all, the person you know probably has family money. Second of all, that person's a partner in a law firm that's literally one in 10,000. Let's be honest. So what I'd say to you as well, it just doesn't work anymore. Um, my friends who are surgeons are living at home with their parents. It's finished. If you come here as a surgeon, um, as a consultant, you go from literally earning 80 grand a month, sorry, uh, sorry 80 grand a year, sorry, to literally earning 200, 250 plus. And remember when I say 250, there's no tax. So it's literally whatever that is, six times the amount, six times the amount, right? The fact is, an example would be, my dad is a dentist. When he bought a family home, now worth about 1.6 million, like a, uh, in London. And he, I said, dad, when did he buy this? 24, qualified dentist for whatever it is, two years. And I said to him, how much did you buy it for? And he said he bought it for 15,000 pounds. 
right, so what's that in today's equivalent? I said, so let's move that forward. 250, he said. And I said, what was your salary? He said, 200. So his salary is the same as the value of a big family home. That is not going to fucking happen again. And the fact is, whether you like it or not, if you're self-made, you don't come from family money, and you literally work an amazing job, say even have a business turns over a million pounds a year, 500,000 profit. Somebody that literally comes from family money, and you're basically bought a house a long time ago, given a house, that that business owner or lawyer will never catch up with you. And that's when the system's broken. When you're paying 53% tax in London, you know, we have a successful business, but I realise it's broken. You can't, you can't, the game is broken. And my dad, when my mum passed away in January, he became much more open. He said to me, he looked me in the eyes, goes, the UK is broken. It's a repeat of the 70s where what's going to happen, you know this in property, right? Interest rates, you've seen this, interest rates are going to go up and they're going up more and more. People can't afford their mortgage. People default on their mortgage. Then they'll have to move back home to their parents and owe the bank forever. And, and also, there'll be negative equity because the, pro the property price drops. So they're in debt for the rest of their life. The banks, or super wealthy, will come and buy them back up again. Then the value will go back up again, or the properties they'll never be able to afford them. And that's the fact what's happening in the UK. Here, if you do well, if you have a professional job, you're earning 200 grand, or have a business earning, say, 200 grand, you literally, after a few years, you have no tax, you can buy a property here and have an actual nice life. Whereas the system is broken in London, you cannot do it. And the sad fact is what we're going to have, Charlie, is people scrounging do nothing, say, say blunt, save the NHS. And you have the super wealthy untouched. The upper middle class or educated it's people, it's gone. It's gone. And whether the reason for that or not, you know, whatever it is, some, uh, what's it called? Some sort of um, conspiracy oh, theorist. Yeah. Whatever it is. Higher power. Yeah, yeah. whatever it is. It doesn't matter whether that's true. It actually does not relevant. This whole point. Do I think it's a higher power? I don't know. It's, it's happening either way. It's happening, correct, as well. And whether it's happening or not, I don't, it's not really relevant. The fact is we're not going to change that. And the best way to change that is remove yourself from that situation. And too many people I've seen, Charlie, the pain point isn't big enough for them to move. Same with losing weight. The pain point isn't big enough till it's too late once their mortgage goes through the roof and they can't afford it and they're fucked. And the sad fact is you're the same. Your friends like, you need to move before this happens. I'm telling you this from my friends who are serious investment bankers, like a Goldman, MDs, and they're all selling everything they have in London and moving to Dubai. I said, trust me, you need to leave. What they'll do is they'll potter along, keep the can down the hallway, like I said before, and then eventually they're going to be like, James, I'm fucked. My property's dropped by 300 grand and my mortgage has tripled. What do I do? I'm like, it's too late. You're done. And this is an important thing for anyone listening to, whether it's getting shape of your business, is like not making a decision is making a decision. And the biggest mistake most people make is indecisiveness. And if you look at most people who are really successful at anything, the biggest superpower they have is they're very decisive and they implement whatever it is they have to do very quickly. They, they think about it and uh, you know what they do is I've seen this chart because you do actually do do this. Say you don't understand something. It's not just intelligence. You go, I don't know, understand this. I ask the people that are experts in that field. You ask them and go, cool. And they make the decision. Yeah. What, what do I do? Saying the Brexit, right? I didn't have a clue about Brexit. I didn't understand it. What I did was ask people I understood who invest in banks and finance. What's the reason for both sides? Listen to them and made the decision. Simple. You don't literally, I don't know. The biggest superpower is actually having, you know this, having a uh, having good network because you have access to the top people. Having access to these top people, ask them, it's too fucking blunt. We have YouTube. We have access to the top people in the world by YouTube now as well. Just watch them and listen to them. Like Stephen Bartlett, he has the top CEOs on it. Fucking listen to them. Why are you ignoring them? They know, listen to them. Literally stop ignoring them, pretending it's fine. Listen to those people and, and implement their advice. And... That is why, in some respects, now anyone listening to this, you have more potential to be successful than anything before because you are limited access to the greatest people in the world, and this for free, for free, like twenty four seven, and this has never happened in human history ever. So, the excuse that you can't get in great shape or you can't build a business is your own excuse, and you're creating your own glass ceiling. Is my opinion. You are creating that because you know why it's easier to be a victim and then just. Uh, create your own limiting beliefs because but the thing is i find that worse i literally think to myself you know people have victim complex whatever it might be they go ask to my pa parents as well whatever it might be the fact is your parents might have been horrible i'm not denying that you might have abused whatever it's awful but the fact is that's the way it is you have one life you're gonna be fucking over at one point so you have to just deal with the fucking situation and the truth is in the western world particularly if you're here you have no excuse not to succeed the real reason people don't like dubai there's some negative parts to it like i said the people but the real reason is they see a lot of success and then they realize actually they have no excuse here that's when they turn back and go back home and you either have the minerals for it or you don't yeah it's harsh the environment the way that dubai is is my parents said this actually my mum before she passed away said dubai is like the us used to be in the 1960s all the positive sides are the negative sides to give you an idea there's no tax here 
but there's no benefit system. So if you're fucked, say Medicare, you're fucked, you're fucked. You need healthcare, right? So you're basically left out on your own. So it's like a cowboy town. Well, it's not, I'm not saying it's cowboy town, you're safe. What I meant was you're on your own. You gotta fix your own problems. You have to fucking fix your own problems. But that's, I like that. Well, you, so you, you, you like it. Yeah, I like you, you, uh, not a nanny state. Yeah, you, you like rely it. on your own fucking competence and ability to not Correct. put yourself in a shit situation. Correct. No one else is gonna save you like in the UK. Being blunt, actually, I'm not gonna apologize for this. High taxpayers' money is basically solving your problems. Mm. But the problem is you're stuck there. You can never really achieve that much because tax is so high, but you can never go down that low either because there's a safety net. Whereas here, <laughs> you're going to go one way or the other in, in Dubai. Agree. Um, to wrap things up, James, that was awesome. Um, Thank you. What's the best way for anyone to find out about you, connect with you on Instagram? Of course. So, um, uh, my my, my um, website, bodytransformationlondon.com, if they want to cry about personal training or online training. Um, and my Instagram is jamescooperbtx, which you can get great videos on nutrition, training, um, and lifestyle advice. And my rants as well. So. Yeah, he, does <laughs> before, do quite, he does do quite a few of Before those. I get shadow banned. So find me on Twitter because I'm making Twitter accounts. Yeah, he might get kicked yeah, out. Yeah, exactly. Um, so if everyone enjoyed that, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Make sure you give James a follow. Um, I'll put all of his links below. Um, if you could kindly subscribe and share this with a friend who take a lot of value from this. And we'll see you next episode. Soon.